This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, I am told a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-play cast, Todd Bodet. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. We have reached the 50-episode milestone here on Play-By-Play Cast. Thanks, as always, for joining us, clicking subscribe and or download. My name is Joel Godet. This is the podcast about play-by-play broadcasters for play-by-play broadcasters, hosted by a play-by-play broadcaster. Our guest this week is Kevin Fitzgerald of the Columbia Fireflies, the minor league baseball team, and also ESPN. We'll get to Fitz here in just a second. Uh, But a quick note on last week's episode. We had Mark Janes on of the Indy 500 leading up to race week. The Indy 500 is on Sunday. It's this weekend, two days from now, if you uh, have downloaded this podcast on time. And if you listen to last week's episode, uh, you'll know I'm a, a racing neophyte. I'm not a NASCAR guy or an Indy car guy or a funny car guy by trade. I don't know a ton about it. However, uh, I did have my first racing experience after doing the podcast with Mark Janes last week. Uh, mid-major or Mid-American Conference Baseball plays its last weekend series of the regular season a day early because it gives the teams a day extra rest before the conference tournament started this past Wednesday. So instead of playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I had last Sunday off. And I don't know what made me think of it, but I checked what was going on at uh, the Indy 500 race week, and I saw, hey, poll day, qualifying day. So on Sunday, with the day off, I got in my car and drove the 20 minutes to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It was the first time I'd ever seen Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I've lived in this city for five years. Uh, It's the first time I've ever seen IMS, and it was the first exposure I've ever had in person to racing. And uh, I'll be honest, if you haven't experienced it ever, uh, it was an experience. It was kind of cool. The place is enormous. Uh, It's cool to walk around. Uh, I just kind of took in some different vantage points, and it was just qualifying, so it's just one car going in laps fast. Um, but it was cool to see it and see how quickly they move when you're standing right next to them, how not as fast they look like they're moving when you're not standing right next to them, uh, how loud they are. Um, you can people watch, which was awesome. You can watch from you know the infield mounds and all of those different things, watch from the stands, get your different perspectives. Uh, so it was cool. It was just kind of a neat little foray into something new for me last week and uh, Ball State Baseball actually got knocked out of the Mid-American Conference Tournament after just two games this week. Got upset uh, both on Thursday and Friday. That's not right. Both on Wednesday and Thursday. So uh, my trip to the MAC Tournament ended quickly. I've got Sunday off again this week. So we'll see. Maybe my offseason begins with uh, a trip to the actual race. See if I don't head to the actual Indy 500 this Sunday. We'll see what I do. Things kind of get Uh, restless now this time of year before we get toward uh, September and uh, when college football season kicks in, or I guess August when uh, when camp starts up as well. Uh, That brings us to our guest for this week, though, uh, because summertime he is very busy uh, and has been exceedingly busy so far this baseball season. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. Uh, But I've gotten a few requests over the last couple of weeks to talk to some younger guys on the podcast Uh, still up and coming in their careers, still early in their careers, um, and figured it was a good time to to hit up Fitz. 
uh, Kevin Fitzgerald. Um, also, it was a good time because I had planned on doing this week, and I teased it on the podcast last week, the Mid-American Conference Broadcasters Roundtable episode. Uh, at the MAC baseball tournament. I was going to try to sit down with the five guys who broadcast baseball at the MAC tournament uh, and get us all in the same room and just kind of bounce some topics off each other, various points in our careers. Thought it would be kind of cool, uh, but I couldn't get the five of us in one room at the same time uh, because we all kind of got there at different times. And then lo and behold, there are five of us and we broadcast four different games on day one. And I had the last one, so we didn't finish until 1 a.m. almost. And uh, then we got bounced after day two. So I didn't get a chance to do it. And knowing I didn't have a guest, I, 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 I panicked and uh, I, I knew I could call a guy like Fitz and he was on the road. So we had a little bit of time uh, Thursday morning and we were able to, to sit down and, and knock out this podcast. <laughs> that being said, uh, Kevin is a 2014 graduate. So fairly new. Uh, I think three years out would be the math on that. Three years out of Syracuse. Uh, works in minor league baseball, worked in minor league baseball right away. Uh, I set up a couple of different stops. We'll touch on all of those leading to the Columbia Fireflies, uh, which is the Mets low A affiliate in South Carolina, which is why he's been really busy this year because he has a starting outfielder on his team by the name of Timothy Tebow. I don't know if he's a big deal. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Tebow coming up here, but Kevin is also an awesome story in being super talented and, uh, a really quick riser because of that and because of, you know, kind of his networking ability, for lack of a better way of putting that. Uh, but he does a lot of stuff early on in his career with ESPN and ESPNU and SEC Network and Big Ten Network, and he does a really good job with it, too. Uh, so figured it would be interesting to get his perspective on uh, breaking into this industry in a big way uh, early on in his career and having a lot of success. So uh, Kevin is our guest. Kevin Fitzgerald is our guest here on episode 50 of Play by Playcast. But with all of that said, where are we going to start? The answer I felt like was obvious. Uh, Tim Tebow. We start with Tim Tebow, with Kevin Fitzgerald, here on Play by Playcast. Where is Tim Tebow right now? Tim Tebow is at our hotel. He is at this <laughs> Clarion Hotel right now. How amazing is that on face value? <laughs> well, and, and to go off of that, too, we, we you know we we make a stop yesterday on our way to Lexington from Columbia and you know we're in middle of middle of nowhere Tennessee and we stop at a gas station there's a subway a McDonald's and Taco Bell no kidding so you know this guy has the he has an extreme diet a, a diet that most could not they could, you know you could not set your sights to it and and succeed doing this diet but so like to that that perspective is even more interesting like this sometimes he's got a go find some food on the road that you know normally you wouldn't have to settle for that sort of thing you know we a couple weeks ago on our way up to maryland and new jersey and you know okay the bus pulls into a parking lot and it's like wait a second you could be in a car in in like norfolk virginia and say wait a second did i just see tim tebow like walking <laughs> up the sidewalk going to that applebee's or something so it's it hey it, it is the like that 30 for 30 was titled ride the bus with Michael Jordan. And that's, he, he's doing it too. What does he eat? That's it's, it's interesting. Like, what's he eat? That's different. I, they're all athletes. I want to say it's, I want to say it's a, it's a ketogenic diet and he's advertised this before in interviews and things like that, but it is no carb. It's, you know, extremely high in protein and I don't want to, 
and I, I'll have I want to double check on this, but yeah, no carbs. It's a lot of eggs, meat, that sort of thing, and and definitely eats that a few times a day. That that type of meal, like eggs and bacon, that sort of thing. So then you gotta then you gotta dive into fast food every once in a while. Cracker Barrel then is probably where it's at. If eggs and bacon, that's. that's Ima- imagine imagine if he had one of those next to to. All of these hotels on the road. I mean, that, then you're then you're taken care of. That's yeah, pretty simple. Or Waffle House on a lesser degree. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's uh, what's it like having him around? Uh, just, I guess, from a broadcast stance, from a baseball standpoint, I, I I imagine it's different, or is it not all that different in some respects? I think I think you said it right. In some respects, to be quite honest, watching him prepare and and work before games, during games, in the clubhouse, it, it really is just part of the flow. It, there's really nothing that stands out that much outside of, oh, wait a second, I know that guy won a Heisman, or, wow, this, there's this six-foot-five, 250-pound guy come, you know, walking towards me. I would say if, you, if you get by that, or if you just lived under a rock and did not watch any football whatsoever growing up, you just think it's like, wow, there's, there's a really big dude coming at me. <laughs> but he really – Seriously, there really there's a good work ethic. There's respect between him and the players. It really just feels like it's part of the flow. Again, if you knew the backstory, you would you would say otherwise. But one of the guys works well with them. It's it's been fun to watch. You know, it really has been fun to watch. He's someone who's showing up an hour before report times on a regular basis to take extra swings. You know, there are areas of his game that needs fine tuning, and he's all right to work with our manager, with our hitting coach, you know, to, to work on those finer elements of his game on a daily basis that, Hey, maybe most at this level would not have to do, but he's been away from the game so long. So he's diving into those as well. So that's been fun. Like the, the readiness to say yes to a lot of this stuff and, and continue to work on it and work on it for the first time in a decade, over a decade, like it's there. I think that earns the respect and earns some validation from the rest of the guys around him. So like I said, if, if if you didn't know that it was this Heisman Trophy winner walking towards you, you know, in, in the tunnel back to the dugout, you just think, oh, it's, it's a really big guy. You know, what position does he play? Is he a pitcher? Is he a first baseman? Is he an outfielder? Uh, because he, car- I think he carries himself really well. That's nothing new. Like we've known that for over a decade now. What uh, what's he like to deal with from your perspective? Just in terms of, like, does he? Does he talk to you? Is he willing to talk to you? Is he a guy you can pick your like? Do you pick his brain at the cage? Does he get locked in? Uh, how does he kind of fall on the the scale of media friendly guys uh, with yeah. with respect to you? Yeah, yeah, good question. I think a little bit more to the latter portion of what you're saying there. I, most of the times when I've you know we've kind of chit chat a little bit every here and then about uh, every here and there about baseball. He, I, I agree with you. He he is very locked in, especially around the cage. I think he's. He's really zeroed in. He's here for a purpose. He's here to get better. He's here to take the swings. And I don't think he really wants to waste. He doesn't want to waste that time. So, but the other side of that is really courteous. You know, my dealings with him have been great. It, it doesn't it doesn't make life difficult on you at all. But I, I I do sense that where, hey, when he's at a cage or you know when he's getting ready pregame. He really wants to zero in. So we've had a few short conversations every now and then. And I get it. It's one of those things where, you know, he's been through this and he's been through this a lot and he's done it for a number of years. So I don't want my job to get in there and, and try to step all over that. You know, I understand he's here for a purpose and he's here to 
know, he has a, a if you, you can call it that a shorter window, I think, than most just because he's an older age right yeah, now. Sure. So I understand that. And I think most do as well. But no, not not standoffish at all. You know, he, and I don't think he's ever been accused of that. So really it makes life easy on us, you know, because he's willing to do some media ops on the road. He understands. All right. This is a big thing. Let's let's knock something out. Let's go ahead and do it. He's never been that. He's always I think he's always been a very friendly person. He always has been at any level, the NFL, the college level and now doing this baseball thing as well. So it's the dealings with him. They've been great, really easy on us and helpful, just a helpful person. Describe the circus for me, because uh, obviously you've got the media relations side of things. Uh, what's it like dealing with that? It's like nothing that I've seen before. And I was just telling you a story about how we were in Lakewood, New Jersey recently. Uh, that's that's not too far away from New York City, not far away from Philadelphia. So it was kind of the first occasion where, all right, we're getting some emails from the New York Post and the New York Daily News and SNY, the TV home of the New York Mets, wants to jump in. And Okay, this is the first time where it's really – you're really seeing the brevity of it. Everyone, everyone wants to dive in, whether it's fans, whether it's media, for this small window. And I had assumed that we, this, this team plays in – Small markets around the South and the Southeast, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina. I thought we'd see a little bit more of the Tebow mania around there from the media and the fan perspective. Hmm. While it was um, chaotic, I guess you could say at times, you know, we're up in New Jersey and it was at its peak right there uh, from fan interest. You're talking hundreds and hundreds when gates open, they're rushing down to the dugout to try to secure that spot to see if they can get some autographs. Um, from the media perspective, you had the New York uh, reporters and TV stations. Darren Rovell from ESPN was down there writing a story. We saw it in its fullest form up in New Jersey when we were there. Again, oh. closer to those, yeah, closer to those larger markets. But here's the cool thing too, and like we say, the Tebow mania. Um, he he is there whether it's pregame, whether it's right before he heads back into the clubhouse to get ready for a game. He's there to sign every autograph. He's very good with this stuff. You know, I was talking to somebody up in Lakewood about that, and they said, you know, Bryce Harper was through this league a number of years ago. Now, granted, Bryce was probably 19, 20 at the time, but, you know, they, they explained, yeah, good game, he would sign autographs, bad game, he was out, didn't want anything to do with it. Whereas, I'm thinking back, I think Tim, he might have went hitless during that series in Lakewood, but he was there every time to sign every autograph, do it pregame, do it postgame. So he, I think he understands the significance of this thing too. While he is there to focus and, and has a job to get done, I think he under he's always and he's always explained it this way as well. Uh, when he ha- when you have that platform, I think you have to do your best to um, to make it work everyone's while. Uh, so he was really good with it, and, and yeah, it was off the charts when we were up in Lakewood. Definitely. Now we've seen it in a smaller capacity in some of these other. Uh, smaller markets in the South. I mean, shoot, we played in a in Hickory, North Carolina, at a stadium that I remember. We were there last year. They were getting a thousand people, and they sold out the four game <laughs> series. They had like forty five hundred people there, so everyone's recognizing it's it's a small window, and they want to take advantage of it. I don't blame them. People want to see this guy play. Uh, what's the 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 spotlight on you like in some regards? Also, because the guy homers in his first at bat. Uh, like how many texts did you get asking to hear the call or like, are you aware that now nah, this is weird? Cause like you're also on national TV. So people hear you a lot. It's not like you're, a, you're not like an a ball guy. That's 
not heard that often. Uh, so people are aware of you. Uh, but is there a different spotlight of saying, like, there are a lot of people listening to me right now, so this better be good? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a very good point you bring up. I think you got to make sure you are ready for it, which brings up a very very funny story that I, I, uh, <laughs> I will get into in just a moment. We like we like comedy, don't we? Um, yeah, no, I, you're right. You, you think about it, and a couple days ago was was kind of one of those interesting notes where he hit his third home run, and all of a sudden it pops up on you know the ESPN alert, and and you know you're getting ESPN alerts for almost everything that this, that this guy will do throughout the year. Minor league baseball is, is basically doing live tweeting of every time he gets a hit. Um, so yeah, I think you're aware of it and you bring up a very funny point about, <laughs> about being prepared and whatnot. So he homers the right. He homers that first game a few days later. It's a Sunday uh, two o'clock game. That's his second home run. And, and he, he shattered this one. He pulled it, you know, over the right field fence. So all of a sudden, oh gosh, I think the team was, it was a team from Augusta, Augusta, Georgia. It was a, a San Francisco Giants affiliate. And all of a sudden there's a pitching change. And, you know, we're calling the game up in our press box, a couple boots down from what our official score and everybody sits uh, that runs the scoreboard. Basically our, our game day staff from up in the press box. And wait a second, who is number 15? He's not on the roster. So I got to pop out of our booth. Um, got to figure out with multiple rosters that had been forwarded over to us from Augusta. Oh, wait a second. Okay. This guy was on a preliminary roster. He was activated uh, and no one gave us a heads up. So I've got to go talk to our score. Yeah. Okay. It's number 15. His name is Jose Morrell. Yeah. If you can punch him into the system, so on and so forth. And, you know, I'm looking out into the field, making sure, okay, I got to run back into this press box rather quickly here. So his second home run, I'm putting the headset back on in, in our radio booth yeah. as he is swinging and <laughs> as this thing takes off into right field. I kind of just jumped into something really quick, and there it goes. Who knows whatever I said. But, yeah, I think those you have to be prepared in, in, in minor league baseball. You also have to be prepared for – anything and everything like okay there's a guy not on a roster let's go figure this one out <laughs> yeah I, there was a there's a great story on that note uh, jason benetti and i when we were together in uh, salem virginia in 2008 i think it was uh the white Sox affiliate at that time was winston salem it still is uh they had a guy on their team named henry maybe uh oh it boy. was m-a-b-e but it was pronounced maybe uh he was not <laughs> he was he he was on the roster as a new addition uh, their broadcaster was not there that day because he was at a wedding, so they just didn't have radio. And uh, maybe didn't have a number on the roster, so he comes in for the first game uh, with Winston-Salem. We can't figure out who it is. Ground ball back to the pitcher, and Benetti just goes, it might be maybe. He throws to first, inning over, uh, which was maybe the greatest. And I think at one point he said, uh, a strike thrown by that guy. Uh, which was fantastic. <laughs> you know, Jason Benetti, th th first off, you know, could we have ever worked in a call me maybe around that time? Was that, well, was that no, pre, was this that, is pre the, that yeah, song? This is like five years pre Carly Ridge Epson. <laughs> uh, I think I was told a story one time, uh, our team president in Columbia. Yes. Uh, his name is John Katz. Yeah. Was actually, yes, your buddy. Correct. Uh, John Katz was telling me a story. Yeah, he calls me Putzel. I don't It's ask him about that one day. Uh, you know, I, I think I texted him at one point. You, we were on the road when you might have told me that. And, and he just he was like, oh, great. He, he gave me a thumbs up. I've yet to 
dig deeper and find out the reason behind the story. I don't know and either. I will. I'm, I'm, I will try. Yeah, I'm Jewish. He's Jewish. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> small. And on the second day, he just started calling me that. So I, I think it's a term of endearment, but I'm not sure. I think I am going to continue calling you that. If that's all right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, that's what we got out of this thing. Awesome. I've got a new nickname for you. Uh, but he was telling me the story. It was a game in the 15th inning, a Salem Red Sox game in the 15th or 16th inning or something like that. And Katz is listening and Bonetti basically launches into just picks up his water bottle and goes, well, it's the 15th inning. Why don't I just read the nutritional facts of this <laughs> water bottle for you? Here's the one one. <laughs> that sounds about right, actually. And it was probably the most entertaining thing you've ever heard. I think so. I would actually like to to uh, somehow find that audio archived and exhumed that would be fun to listen to i bet he has if it. anybody could pull off that benetti could yeah, I, I bet he has it too <laughs> like i'd be i'd be surprised if he doesn't um all right last question on tebow and then we'll move on uh odds that they put you together to do a game on the sec network this fall just out of hilarity oh boy you know what that's that's a pretty funny concept <laughs> for no I, that well first off that sounds like for me that would be a long time from now but I, you know what how about that the, the columbia fireflies duo that's Put what I'm in, right it right in south carolina you got the football team right down the road that's what i'm saying and then we'll see how many columbia fireflies um drops we can work in i think john <laughs> katz might have a counter going during that game at that some point wonderful. a producer is going to get in your ear and be like what are you doing <laughs> this guy talking about minor league baseball again why do you keep saying that receiver runs as fast as a firefly <laughs> hey and and you know that's a a columbia south carolina thing too there's a national park that's right down the road that's where the name was i didn't know that derived from oh yeah that's where that's where the name was derived from congaree national park and every spring there is this just trust me on this. I, I have not seen it, but I have seen some. I've seen some photos on this. There is this giant. It's a, like a light show, but it's it's your the most natural light show you could possibly get because it's the synchronization of fireflies at this nat national park. If they're at night, it's it's incredible. Maybe I could just tell my producer that and get that's how I can get away with it. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, we're paying tribute to to Columbia, South Carolina. There you go. I like that. Um. All right, career-wise for you, if I can dive into path for you. Um, I've gotten a couple of questions over the last few weeks. People wanted to hear from younger, up-and-coming guys who are kind of carving their paths in this industry still. Uh, so I wanted to ask if you can kind of describe your path from Bluefield to Vermont to Fort Wayne to Big Ten Network and ESPN um, and and how uh, that all worked for you and how you, you crafted kind of your, your path into, into that jump early in your career. Yeah, and, and I, would, I would definitely reiterate the point that uh, this is something that I think we hear a lot and, and I heard growing up. It's There's I mean, no, that path yep. is, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the path is if you think you're on a beaten path or off the beaten path, don't worry about it because it, it will lead you to where you want to go. I mean, no path I think is the same. Sometimes it's never conventional, but you, you know what? I, it's funny because, you know, you look back at where you were and, and you just think, yeah, that was, did a lot of cool things. But yeah, I, I graduated from Syracuse a number of, a few years ago in 2014 and, you know, was lucky enough to, jump into a baseball job that, that first summer after I had graduated and it was a short season gig. And, and you mentioned it, it was in Bluefield, West Virginia, uh, the, and the Appalachian league, 
which uh, actually um, the Mets, which is our Columbia Fireflies major league affiliate, they have an affiliate in that league. So we share stories about the Appalachian League all the time. But, you know, the quick 70 game season, it was a blast. It was that first it was the first time where you you were kind of in control. You were creating the broadcast. This was this was your own baby, that sort of thing. Uh, at Syracuse and and calling games for WAR and Z89, you just feel like the next guy in line of something so much totally bigger than you. From everyone from everyone that had you know left a mark previously and led left a mark beforehand, but it it really was it was a lot of just. You know, and the question of, okay, how did how did you end up doing it or how did you kind of get all this stuff? It was it's really a hustle sort of thing. And and I'll tell you, you've got to be you've got to be two steps ahead with your planning. Okay, hey, you know, what's what's my plan for baseball season? You know, what's on the horizon for basketball season? How about football work as well? You've got to be two steps ahead, I I think. So was able to cut my teeth, get down to Bluefield and we were on a um you know, a, a rock station down in, in Bluefield, West Virginia. It was great. You know, we broadcast in most of the games. I remember doing, uh, I was, I did public address, did PA for, I think the 20 games that were not on the radio. There you go. And that like, that, how about that? You know, where, where, where would I have thought that I'd be doing that? Um, and, and ended up doing that as well. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I remember, you know, right after graduating as well, interviewed for, the University of Vermont women's basketball job, you know, and that's what I rolled right into after completing the Bluefield season was up in Burlington, Vermont. Awesome city. Bur- Burlington is Burlington. Uh, Burlington is great. And if you ever have the chance to get up to Vermont, go visit Burlington. Nice little small town. I'm from New Jersey. So I, you know, I love the snow, love the cold, love doing all that stuff. Burlington was, it was an outstanding town. And what I really liked most, you know, you end up calling the games obviously, but you know, what I end up, um, what I ended up liking most was just, you know, you're around members of an athletic department, you're around a coaching staff. Shoot, Joel, I remember leaving school and saying, you know, I, I, I could get this job or I, I should have this job, this and that. And of course, you're, those are lofty goals. But then you spend a, a year with a coaching staff and a team and an athletic department and you go through things that you would not have learned or that basically you're, you're learning on the fly for the first time. And I was most appreciative about that schedules, you know, things to do, things not to do. You know, it, it really comes down to that. I think it's really as simple as that. Um, and, and, and remember at the time thinking, oh, man, yeah, this is this is maybe for lack of a better word, kind of scary. You're, you're jumping from one seasonal job to the other. I'll tell you what I would uh, I would really recommend, you know, don't tie yourself down to one spot too early in your career, because I think you want to have flexibility to move. I think you want to have flexibility to try different things. I was able to go from baseball to basketball. I worked for a good buddy of ours, John Nolan in Fort Wayne, Indiana, the following baseball season. Uh, and, and, you know, with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, a minor league team out in Indiana, you just have the, you have the flexibility and the freedom to do that. And I think you don't learn as much, you know, say if you're, you're kind of in the same routine, doing the same thing every day, right after school, I'm really appreciative of that, you know, that seasonal to seasonal type of path. And, and at the time you're kind of banging your fist saying, I, you know, I, I could be doing more. I could be doing this. We're all, we're always trying to jump to the to the next item and, and, and what, you know, what more can you do? And looking back, I'm just appreciative of the opportunity of, of, you know, being able to have that freedom and that flexibility. So I'll tell you what, excellent summer after the, uh, the Vermont basketball season, working with the Fort Wayne tin caps 
a great operation out there. John is a great guy. Mike Nutter is the president of the team. And I mean, he's just, he's, he's a seasoned vet. He's one of the best. I mean, this guy goes to the winter meetings and everyone loves, everyone wants a a few minutes with him just because he's a well-connected person and runs a great, great operation out, you know, out in Fort Wayne. And this was around the, around the time when, you know, I was a good, a good colleague of mine is Chris Farrow and he's a coordinating producer at ESPN and yep. ESPNU. And, and, you know, when I was out in Fort Wayne, this was kind of around the time where, you know, I was sending him some stuff and, and we had got to talking some emails here and there, you know, we met up the previous summer in Charlotte, was able to sit down with him for a few minutes when I was in Bluefield and in West Virginia. And, and we were just kind of cultivating our relationship. And a few months later, he said, Hey, you want to call some basketball games? And, you know, the answer was, of course, I mean, I, I was trying to just get off that phone call without him realizing like, what did I just do here? <laughs> giving, we're giving games to this guy. Um, and that really helped. And I, I think what really helped there, and, and it's a great place to be again, what I think really helped there is, you know, you, you have, you have some of those freedoms early on out of school. I, I think if I'm going to answer that question, Taylor, to, you know, some of the younger folks that you brought up, uh, just patience, remember patience. Um, I think we all say it when we're very, very, uh, very, very near graduation or shortly thereafter graduation from school. We, we kind of say to ourselves, you know, man, I, I got to get this. I got to get that full time job. I got to get this job. I got to get that one. I've, I've got to make sure I've got my ducks in a row. But I'll tell you, uh, just doing that. And I think most of us do it, that seasonal path from from baseball to football to basketball. And, and it's tough. You're bouncing around. You certainly are. But I think it helped me out. You know, it lets you plan. It lets you see a little bit of everything. I mean, it lets you make some great relationships. I mean, it's, it is, you know, you meet somebody you like, keep in touch with that person and don't ask for a job. You know, it, you know, Chris is, Chris was a big Connecticut basketball fan. I love talking just like big East basketball with him. You know, it's, it's get to know the person. Trust me. I think the big thing about for, for, especially those that are younger, you want to get to know the person, you know, forget, just forget about the job, be patient. Uh, if if you know good people in this industry, that's going to make the the difference. And I think that goes for that goes for plenty of industries just outside of the broadcasting realm. But that was kind of my path that led me to 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 those different locations, work with ESPN, and then was fortunate enough to get this job with Columbia. You know, I was uh, an intern with John a couple of years ago in Fort Wayne, and this team in Columbia is also owned by the same ownership group as Fort Wayne. They mentioned, hey, we're looking for a full time broadcaster, and you know, I made sure to to let them know, Hey, I'm interested in this. would love to be down there. And it's a Mets affiliate. You know me, I'm a Mets fan. So yep. that's like the cherry on top. What, uh, first of all, now I feel like Chris Farrow is going to get 90 emails asking about Khaled <laughs> Elamine and like Rip Hamilton. Um, so we apologize in advance uh, for that. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, I haven't had times like that in a while. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Sorry. Um, how much TV had you done, uh, before, that all that all came to fruition, and uh, what are you thinking when when Chris says, "Hey, uh, you want to do some games?" Uh, and and kind of getting thrown into that that pot. You know, I feel like this is I'm connecting a puzzle piece right now. So thanks for for bringing up that aspect of it. <laughs> when I when I was in Vermont, again, you're calling two games a week. That's about it. Yeah, and you play a Wednesday game, and, and it's that's every college schedule. Playing a Wednesday game, playing a Saturday game, or a Thursday game and a Sunday game. And, you got a lot of time on your hands, um, you know, and, and I thought about it. It's like, all right, I could, you know, you could go, 
you could, you could do something to try to supplement your income. But I thought about it, was looking for other opportunities play-by-play wise in the Vermont area up in Burlington. Um, you know, and there was this this company called NSN. Uh, there's you know still there, still rocking uh, Northeast Sports Network, and they basically it's it's web streams of smaller colleges in Vermont. But I'll tell you, they they're the producers that they have there. They they do an excellent job. The production is is pretty darn good for you know smaller college and um you know this it's not a, it's not a very large production with a great number of people but they do an excellent job and you know was able to jump in with those guys just reached out again reached out ahead of time i think i remember emailing these guys over the summer just saying hey i'm going to be there would love to help out um you know and colleagues before me had had told me hey reach out to nsn that's a great place where you can cut your teeth so i was gonna say was cousins these- there too Cousin, well, Cousins was up in Vermont a number of years ago as well. I believe he did some of that. Our buddy Bill Spaulding, who oh, graduated yeah, yeah. from Syracuse as well. That guy's like digital small college king of New England. <laughs> That's, I'll tell you what, we have got some great nicknames out of this, <laughs> out of this discussion. Uh, hopefully we can keep track of them. Bill was the one who had mentioned – it was one of the, the couple guys that said, yeah, I mean this this NSN thing up there, uh, Andrew Cannell. I still call him Andrew Cannell. Okay? Now he is referred to as A.J. Cannell. He was the uh, the former voice of University of Vermont men's basketball, now the voice of Siena Santa men's Saints. basketball. Yeah, and, and he was the one uh, as well who said, yeah, NSN, it's a great place to get some opportunities. He was doing a little football for them, and you know, I, I remember calling a – you know, Middlebury is a school that is about an hour south of Burlington. I remember calling a couple middle uh, Middlebury basketball games for for NSN. Uh, did some lacrosse. Did a couple other basketball games as well. You know, it, it did is a game for Norwich University, which is one of the few military, like senior military colleges in uh, in in America, up in snowy Vermont. It was great. You know, you're going to these new locations. You're calling these games. So it was a TV call. It was for these online streams and, you know, was able to get some of that footage, put it together. So that was where I, th- I had my first chance to basically say, hey, here's some TV stuff. And of course, you're, you know, you're not doing it with an analyst. It's just you. And it's like, how in the world do you, how, in the, how in the world do I is, is one person going to make this sound interesting? Yeah, I was you know? say, how, did, how so, does <laughs> that describe that? Because I feel like yeah, that's, that's our worst nightmare sometimes. It's like you're solo. I'm like, I'm what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you, that's that's when you you be, better make sure you have like three charts of information <laughs> nearby, uh, and uh, maybe maybe it also teaches the inverse as well. It's like, well, this is where I would normally have tossed to <laughs> that color analyst next to me, but that was that was the first chance where I got that type of tape and, and was able to cut some stuff up. Again, that, that's where I think it just ties back. This is that puzzle piece I was talking about. It ties back to. You know, I was I, I remember it was, you know, you call two games a week and you're you, you kind of the schedule's pretty open and you're thinking to yourself, boy, you know, there's what can I do here? So, again, be pay or use the time wisely. Be patient. You know, I, I filled that time with these games for NSN, filled that time with with relationship building. I think that's really important. So you got to be patient with it and just be smart with it. So that was the first stuff I'd sent over to uh, to Chris and some other folks and, you know, had known Chris for a a year or two at that point had kept in touch with him. I remember sending him some Syracuse work and yeah, it was, I know it was after the baseball season when I was in Fort Wayne. So that would have been uh, two years ago, 2015. Um, you know, just got a call from Chris. Hey, how's it going? Hey, got a couple of games. You feel like calling them? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Let's, let's <laughs> no, do it. I'm, I'm good. Like, 
I feel like a niche has got some time. <laughs> Here, here's someone else I can recommend for you, though. <laughs> of course, let's let's do it. Um, it it was a it's a it's been a blast with ESPN and ESPNU and and the SEC Network as well. I've done a few of those games now, being based in the Columbia area. But I, I, it's it's funny because you bring up, hey, like why why did Chris ever reach out to you and say, hey, can you call these games? But I'll tell you, I remember, I still remember that Middlebury basketball. Game. It was an awesome game. So those are the stops. The, I, I'm telling you, these. I'm not just, and I'm not just trying to sell a Middlebury basketball here. You remember, <laughs> you remember those stops uh, along the way that that got you there. So, Vermont, great place, good food. If you snowboard and ski, get up there. I'm I'm pro Vermont. I love Vermont. Um, I'm pro Vermont too, by the way, for what it's worth. Nice. Uh, ben and Jerry's is also based <laughs> out of there. We you forgot that one. Um, so ice cream capital of the world. Uh, Correct. What uh, you obviously done a lot of radio. You had done a lot of radio in, in college, and then started doing some of the the NSN stuff, which obviously leads to 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 ESPN. Um, what's different for you between the two mediums? Um, which one do you like better? Which I feel like is a loaded question. Um, but kind of kind of what are your your pros and cons of of doing radio and TV? Because you get the both best of both worlds um, in the ability to do both of them the way that your your career is set up right now. You know, that's, I think it's a great question for me in particular. I felt like every once in a while you, you go away from one platform and then at a certain point you're away from the other platform, at least for my schedule and which makes both feel excellent when you dive back into it or, yep. or calling in, in that sort of capacity. Like right now, my schedule is baseball and, and it's, you know, the minor league baseball grind and, and the college baseball, it is, it is sometimes you just, you put your head down and go, you know, all of our games are radio. All of our games are on a ESPN radio affiliate in Columbia. So I, I haven't called a TV game in a couple months. And, you know, when the basketball season ended and, and you put the headset on and, and do a Columbia Fireflies game, and you do it on radio for the first time. It's it's a great it's it basically it kind of conjures up a lot of the a lot of the memories of not calling a, a radio game for a number of months and and you're just thinking to yourself hey this is fun this is as Vin likes to say the painting of the picture sort of thing so I, I think when you go away from when you're off of one platform for a while and then dive back into it it amplifies it a little bit it makes it it makes it that much more fun and that much more exciting so uh, you know during during the basketball season at least this past year was very heavy television really didn't do too much um, radio at all but now get to dive back into that and then once we hit August and September time frame we'll get to jump back in and do some football and basketball so I think it makes you appreciate at least for me I, I feel like I've appreciated either platform more when you're away from it um, in one capacity or another, you know, for a, a certain point of time, but yeah, to definitely different when you're, you know, from, from a style of calling the game, you know, for TV, I think the word is context. It's all about context. We can see the images. There is play by play involved, but it really is, you know, you're weaving in information. Like how good is that sweater? Like how good are you going to knit this broadcast together? Like how good are you going to fit information in that? that needs to be fit in there or deserves to be fit in in these locations throughout a TV broadcast. Whereas radio, it's, it's, it's certainly, you're driving the bus a bit more. It's a bit more up to you. You can work in information. It's more about the description anyway. I think the big difference and, you know, I, I, I imagine a number of guys on the play by play cast have brought this up as well, but it's, I think the big difference is the context of the TV side 
you know, versus the radio um, versus the description on the radio side. Yeah. Shoot. I- I'll tell you, I called a, you know, our, another I, I'm just I don't mean to name drop our, our buddies here from Syracuse, <laughs> but Ryan Coletti. A good friend and a great guy who does work at the University of Pennsylvania. You know, I was able to call a, a couple football games for him over the last couple of years uh, on radio. And man, you know, calling football on the radio, basketball on the radio after not doing it uh, after a while, it is so much fun. I really lo- like you ask what what do you enjoy better? I I couldn't answer that. I really love doing radio and television. And I was just talking to somebody about that. You know, I would love to dive in and do a little bit more football and basketball on the radio. Really, really love it. I love the the fast pace and the description of it. You know, that's where the that's where you really um, that's where you kind of feel uh, at your best is when hey that the action is moving. How's your description? Are you fitting everything in? I love that feeling, that fast paced feeling of a radio call, football, basketball wise. And then television, it's the people you work with. I think the best part of this this past basketball season was, you know, work with the, with the same analysts most of the time throughout the year, the same production crew. It's a family. It really is a it's a collaborative effort. I mentioned the example on radio. You're kind of driving the bus most of the time. But this this uh, on this occasion. You know, what would be the maybe it's everybody in like the, the teacup in Disney World. You're kind of working together. I'm trying. That's a bad example. Bad, bad um, analogy there. But you are all work, you are all working together to make sure you get the right information out there. It's it's a heck of a lot of fun. And, you know, we had some great, great games this year uh, called a lot of SEC games. So, yes, they are different in terms of you're you're captioning the action on the TV side, on the radio side. It is it's a great validating experience because you are painting the picture. It, it's your brush. You have to fit those descriptions in and you have to do it wisely. I, I really enjoy, I know it's, I'm not giving you a definitive answer, but I couldn't pick which one I love, <laughs> you know, calling both mediums. And I think being away from one another for a, an extended period of time makes you love each a little bit more. Yeah. Absence makes the heart grow fonder a little bit. So, uh, I, I could have just said that. that <laughs> it would have saved us a few minutes. <laughs> the, the ancient parable. I believe I just made it up right now, actually. Yes. Um, it worked for the president. So I, I, made, I thought of that right now. <laughs> um, what, uh, what was it like learning to work with an analyst, um, particularly at that level? Um, because if you, you're doing a lot of TV solo, and we all know, you know minor league baseball, we kind of work with each other um, a little bit. Um, but to get that person who's a designated analyst um, and to kind of figure out the, the ins and outs of, of doing that the right way and, and finding a comfort zone. Um, take me on that process, and, and how did you figure it out? Yeah, th- this past basketball season, you know, worked a lot with – and most of my games were with Chris Batola. He's, he's an analyst. I'll tell you, this guy, first off, total rising star, and, and rising is probably – that probably doesn't even do it justice. I mean, this guy is a great analyst – he is so long. I've never seen someone break down like a shoot around like this guy does. He is you're going to see him all over the place. But we, I was really fortunate to work with him. And again, I'm, I'm going to go back to the point I mentioned before on relationship building. I think just your broadcast get better as you get to know that person a little bit more. Um, you know, I think it is, you know, you, you get thrown in and you're calling a game for the first time with someone. It might be a little bit difficult. I think you just have to get to know how to weave through certain things but after you get to know a person uh, you know you're and you're on the road you're traveling you're, you're grabbing dinner you know you're grabbing lunch you're obviously spending a lot of time with with these people with your analysts and your production crew 
throughout a season. You know, in this case, it was a basketball season. You get, you get to know that person. That's that's the most important part. You know, then you're bringing up things that you're that you know you're both comfortable talking about on the air. You get to learn the philosophies. Hey, okay, you, you're really big on doubling down in the paint or you know you're really big on athletes getting paid in college basketball you know can we talk about that you just learn you you kind of learn the ins and outs of that person and, and basically allows you to bring up what's comfortable on the air you know what 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 is going to be good television you know and to be quite honest chris and i had a couple blowouts and, and of course at that time you're you're trying to keep the viewer. You're trying to keep the listener, um, and, and you're trying to make it interesting. I really, and and this is good. It might sound weird, but I, I really enjoyed those times because, you know, we both have some pretty interesting and and sometimes strong opinions on college basketball, college athletics, and those occasions just allowed us to elaborate on those points. It was it was great. It was fun. Now, you know, most of the most of your viewers are there to watch those two teams, so unfortunately, you get to a point where it's not a competitive game anymore it's, it's, it's not great for them, but at least, you know, you're, you're still trying to make it compelling television. So I really enjoyed those occasions because then it allows for, you know, it allows for discussion. It allows for conversation. And I think that's the biggest part to it is, you know, it takes, I think it just takes sometimes a little time to get to know that person. What is, what are the points that you are comfortable bringing up on the air? What can make good television? And I think that just goes back to the relationship building thing. Sometimes it takes some time, you know, sometimes it clicks immediately and other times, you know, Hey, let's, let's try again next week. Let's make a good TV, but it was fun. I mean, it was really fun. And I think I've gotten a little bit of both, both worlds, you know, have worked with um, analysts for the first time, a number of occasions this past year, then had the same crew for, basically was working with them once a week. So both are great. I mean, you don't want to, I think both, exa- both examples are, are a lot of fun. You're, you're meeting new people, but then, Hey, it's comfortable to, to have a crew you're familiar with. Uh, what's the feedback system like at ESPN? How much do you hear about what you're doing? Um, and what kind of things do you hear about what you're doing? I think it's, I think a lot of it is left on you to, to reach, you know, you, to seek out uh, that feedback. Um, you know, I, I think what's great there is a lot of uh, that's I think it's a very hands off type of system. There are a lot of games and and boy, there are a lot of assignments. So I think it's I think it's a good system of, hey, you know, reach out, get your feedback. What did you think there every once in a while? Uh, but but man, you know, it's it's the mothership. There are so many live events and there's so many games to keep track of. So, hey, on the, the couple occasions that I have you know, reached out and, and to my coordinated producer and even just producers. Well, I think you get your best feedback from your, from your onsite producers. Uh, that's, that's where you're going to get the best information because they're there. They've got their eyes on it. They know what the, the script is like. They know what the rundown is supposed to look like. I think you get your best, you know, your best feedback from your producers on site and your directors that are there. Uh, and it's, a, and sometimes, Hey, sometimes you'll have a chance to watch it back. And, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll get some, you'll get some um, interesting tidbits and information back from your producer. But yeah, I think most of the time, some, especially from that superior standpoint, it's, Hey, reach out. Hey, what'd you think? Hey, can you take a look at this clip? You know, what'd you think in that situation right there? Um, It's, I think it's a good system. And sometimes, you know, we are calling these games and and I think we know at this point we're we're moving in that direction of remote broadcast and you're calling these games sometimes every once in a while from a studio right there, sometimes the best for feedback too, because, Hey, you know, your, your boss could be right down the hall, which is nice. I think it's a good system. Do you do a lot of that? I mean, you're, you're close to Charlotte. Um, and I guess that's probably changing. Um, but did you, uh, did you do stuff that was based out of Charlotte a lot? 
I have called um, three. I've called three of those remote broadcasts. Is it weird? Uh, yeah, you know what? The first one I did, and you mentioned Charlotte. Actually, I've, I've, I'm thinking back now. I've done one in, in Bristol, one in Charlotte, and one in Orlando at the Wide World of Sports. Okay, and yeah. The, the first one is, you know, and I remember thinking, hey, you know, you're just the, the game is right there. Well, obviously, the action is not live in front of you, but you know, you're calling it off of a monitor. It's a large TV. It's right there. And I remember thinking, I didn't really psych myself out and thought, hey, this is, I can't imagine this is going to be too much. Now, of course, it's a little bit different, but I can't imagine it's going to affect your broadcast or, or just larger components of a game. And, and I remember, you know, those first, <laughs> that first um, six under 16 and under 12 minute timeout, I'm thinking, whoa, this is, this is a little bit different. You just kind of have a less of a scope of vision. You know, you've got to know, depending on circumstances, you know, you better know body types a little bit better. Um, and, and some of the most of the times you really don't get a chance to go check out the shoot around because you're just not on site. So you don't get to see them live at any point. But, yeah, know the body types. You've got to know those, you know, who's wearing the headbands, who's got the high socks, especially for teams you haven't seen before. Um, and 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 after those first two timeouts, I'm thinking, all right, this is a little bit different. You know, let's 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 go here. But the next couple that I had done after after doing it once and having it under your belt, uh, you you have the general gist behind what you need to do. I think the big thing is the is the energy component, just because you are not yeah you are not there. You you don't have that crowd and that aura and that energy surrounding you. So you've got to bump it up a notch. And you know whether it's hey. Tur- Turn the effects feed up in my in my headset, that sort of thing. Bump, blast it. Uh, you, you've got to you've got to carry yourself and bring the energy a little bit more. That was the biggest piece of advice that I heard from folks that had done it before. Before I dove in and did that first one, I guess it was a little over, um, or at this point it was, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, that that was the biggest piece of advice. Make sure you bring the energy, just because it is different. You are not live. Um. Last thing, and uh, I'll, I'll let you go on this note because uh, I know you've got to go catch the gym bus, uh, and and I've got to go catch the game bus. Um, <laughs> Two important buses yeah, to catch. Very important. Um, you've won the Nance Award. Uh, you are the, I believe, the second Nance Award winner we've had on this podcast. Uh, Alex Faust was the first, and uh, he gave us the story of when he met Jim Nance, and Jim was late to their meeting, and basically, uh, he he basically g- he gave him his CBS sport coat blazer as like an apology. <laughs> Um, so do you have an authentic Jim Nance sport coat blazer? Uh, and if not, uh, what, what, what has your interaction with Jim Nance been like in the past? Uh, well, first off, you could not, ima- you could not fig- find a more gracious person. Uh, the, the guy is one of the best in the business. His, he is, he is just one of the more gracious people I've ever met. This is funny. My mom was watching, I think it was like good morning CBS one day and, and Jim Nance was on with an interview and she shoots me a text. And was like, I love that guy. I remember <laughs> he, was, he was so nice in that interview. Uh, the guy is just a, a, a totally, uh, um, a complete gracious person. And, and it was a really a privilege. It was, it was a total privilege to get to meet him on a couple occasions. And yeah, how about this? You know, all of a sudden I, I get a, a call from an unknown and, and by the way, Alex, great guy uh, called an NHL game earlier this year Alex is awesome yeah. his, his hockey his hockey is just re- really good uh, yeah get a call from from the unknown number it was probably a few days after winning the award uh, a couple of years ago 
um, and you know, pick it up. Hey, this, hey, this is Jim Nance. Oh wow, okay, we're we're doing this thing. We're doing this thing here. This is pretty. This is pretty cool. Jim, can I call you uh, back? You know, I'm and, on the and, treadmill. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Jim, the, uh, t- uh, Jim, the the gym bus is in ten. I gotta call you back afterwards. <laughs> um, you know, and and we just start to talking. You know, congratulatory, great with his time, um, and and I start telling him about my job with with Bluefield. He goes, oh well, oh, Bluefield, West Virginia. Hey, we have a tournament in Powder Spring, West Virginia. Um, or excuse me, White Sulphur Spring, West Virginia, in July. So you're gonna be there, and and I go, yeah, we'll 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 be in. That's the time of our season. We'll be down in West Virginia. And he goes, oh, come on by. We'll we'll um, we'll we'll have breakfast. You know, I'll, I'll get you passes for this tournament. And, and I'm thinking, wow, this is you hit the jackpot here. Um, so yeah, we <laughs> we finally get to meet him in person uh, at this golf tournament that CBS is doing. I believe it was Fourth of July weekend a few years ago. Uh, the Greenbrier is the name of the tournament. Okay, yeah. And yeah, you know, so do the breakfast. Uh, he 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 has a bottle of his wine for me. <laughs> that he actually brought. I'm thinking this is outstanding. And, you know, I did not want to be uh, I didn't want to seem to, you know, I, I was totally um, gracious of, of his time and, and didn't want to seem too overzealous. Hey, asking for maybe a picture or something. And I'm, you know, I'm 21 year old, yeah. you know, just out of college. And, and I'm thinking, I oh, don't don't ask him for a picture. You know, don't don't seem like a, a kid or anything like that. And he goes. Um, all right, here's the wine. Hey, let's go. Picture right now. Come on. Here you go. Here, <laughs> I think his his daughter was there. She's like, here, take his camera. Let's go. Let's get some. Fo-. He is a, a really good person. Really, really good person. I think we, you know, the breakfast is a couple hours. You know, he spent some time and we were talking, and his producer was there, talking golf, talking about the award. Uh, someone who could not be more generous with his time. Uh, that was awesome, and and had a chance to catch up with him at uh, the Bridgestone. Uh, the following year, which was not too far away from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So totally, totally gracious with his time, a great person. I think he's one of the best out there. So that was a lot of fun getting to meet him in person and hear his stories and and um, he was not he was not wearing the CBS jacket, but Ah. that it was. Well, he gave it to Faust, so he didn't have it. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) He only got one. Uh, So, Uh, well, Fitz. I appreciate the time, man. I will let you go uh, do curls to match Tim Tebow. Um, and uh, I don't know. How much does he curl? I, I, I think I need a, like a lifetime supply of creatine <laughs> over the next week for that to happen. Over the next and, week. And also, also, yeah, also somebody check on my pulse at that point as well. <laughs> um, and, and, the, and the last thing I'll say is also just, you know, that, that, that Jim Nance Award. Yeah, is, yeah. I, I encourage everyone, anyone. Throw their name in there. Get some advice. This is a great program. John Chalesnik does an uh, an, out, an outstanding job um, running that, putting it together each year. Uh, you know, I, I feel uh, fortunate to you know have been a part of that and and love helping out John and and SDAA as as often as I can. But um, it, it's I'm really 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 fortunate and and honored to be able to you know, have, have my name there as well. It's, it's a great program, really helpful program as well. And if you get a chance to go to the awards weekend, that it's part of uh, highly recommended as well. Also, it's, so. it's a great weekend. It really is. And, and I know it, I, I don't think it'll be down in Salisbury, right. Anymore in North Carolina, yeah, I think but they, they yeah, moved it to Winston, didn't they? That's yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a great place to, ca- I mean, I, we were, we were there last year. It's a great place just to catch up with and make some, some great relationships and, and hey, learn from everyone's story. So it's a lot of fun. So, Fitz, thank you, man. I appreciate it.
That is Kevin Fitzgerald here on play-by-play cast of ESPN and the Columbia Fireflies minor league team. They're in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky this week. We recorded this episode on, uh, on very little sleep, by the way. I said off the top that uh, Ball State had played the late game on Wednesday this week. I didn't get back to my hotel in Cleveland, Ohio until 1 a.m. And then I fell asleep fully clothed and woke up at like 5.30, and then actually went to bed, and then woke up again at 8 o'clock when Fitz texted me because he was up having essentially just arrived in Lexington, Kentucky with uh, the Columbia Fireflies. They had about a seven-hour bus ride after a doubleheader with, I think, Charleston they had played uh, the day before at home in South Carolina. So, uh, we were both a little bit sleep deprived when we did this podcast, but uh, I I guess that maybe made it better. Uh, but I appreciate him for for joining me uh, this week to to talk about uh, all things Tebow and all things his career and all things about uh, his time in minor league baseball and working for ESPN and climbing that ladder. And um, hopefully it was uh, some insight that that people out there can can gain a lot from and and garner a lot from. And, and at, at worst, uh, you've gotten exposure to a guy who's a young up-and-comer in this field and uh, whose name you should see around a lot in the coming years uh, at the Four Letter Network and uh, and beyond as uh, as Kevin continues to grow in this industry. So uh, my thanks as always to, uh, to Fitz for joining us here on the pod. Next week we'll be back at it. Look forward to you joining us again on a Friday morning. As always, hit us up on social media as well. We are at PXPCast. I am at Joel Godet. That's J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T. Rate and review the podcast as well. If you get an opportunity, throw some stars our way, both on Stitcher and on iTunes. It's not that hard. If you're listening to the podcast right now, that means you took the opportunity to open your podcast app and hit play. So while your podcast app is still open, if you've enjoyed the pod, just flip over to the podcast's main page and throw some stars our way as well. We would really appreciate it. Uh, I mean, I could say it helps the algorithms and things of that nature, but... Uh, the bottom line is uh, we just really appreciate um, people letting other people know that they enjoy what's on the pod so that we can continue to grow and, uh, and spread what we've got here. That'll do it, though, for this week. 50 episodes of Play-By-Play Cast in the books. Talk to you next week, next Friday morning, right here on PXP Cast. We're out. Yeah.